So as you get better with respect to something, you're going to get worse at something else because you can't do it all. And we have to make sacrifices. As I've gotten better at piecing together this podcast, I've become worse at keeping up with my TV shows. So I'm out of the loop. But it's okay for me to mourn that. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say that something uh, may get worse from something else getting better. I don't know. You know, just a thought. I like that song a lot. So this is a part where we would usually have our intro music, which we still do not have yet. Working on it. So we're starting from a blank slate with another Hey You People. You're listening to High Decibels, an NYC-based live music podcast. We check out the artists we love at New York City venues and beyond and report back to you. I'm Marlia. And I'm James, and you're listening to Booty City by Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, who we saw at the Bell House on August 16th, and who we'll be talking about today. And for clips and picks, for, uh, clips, picks and stories from the concert, be sure to follow us at High Decibels Podcast on Instagram. Uh, this show was not well-planned in advance. This show was kind of a, a last-minute idea, and this show was a great idea, yeah. in my opinion. Um, we're going to get into the venue first, which is the Bell House. So that's in Gowanus mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Uh, as far as getting there, as far as we're concerned, it's fucking easy. That's our answer. Yeah, right around the corner for us. We just happen to live in the area. For everybody else, it's right off the 9th Street Ave. If you take the uh, 9th, 9th Street and 4th Ave, I'm sorry. If you take the R, you can also get there by the G. Yeah, right there. It's about a block and a half, two blocks away. Good area. There's a brewery nearby, a good couple bars, a decent little venue there. Not hard to get to at all if you see something you like. Uh, It does come off as a bit desolate. So if you're not from the area and you're like, ah, this is scary. It's not scary. It's not an unsafe area. It's just very industrial. It works to their advantage because then they don't have to worry so much about annoying neighbors with noise and that sort of thing. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I guess if you're one of those driving people, there's got to be a ton of parking by there, right? Mm -hmm. For sure. Okay. Uh, so the Bell House is, uh, I would say, uh, eh, mid-sized venue. Um, You'd say it's at least as big as like a Bowery Ballroom or Gramercy Theater or something like that. Some like the, the you know, a decent-sized venues that are kind of in the Lower East Side. Not quite knitting factory small, but not much bigger than that. You know, uh, right. Uh, th- there's a front room. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, then the back room is where the shows are and that sort of thing. They have, like, parties there and, and, that, and dance, uh, dance parties, comedy shows, all sorts of things. We'll, we'll put their link in the um, in description of our, of our uh, next uh, upload. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was going in there. Uh, it was nice. It was very well air-conditioned, mm-hmm. maybe too well air-conditioned. Um, you know, drink prices are kind of what you would expect. Staff is friendly enough. There was a gentleman serving in the front room uh, where the DJ booth normally is, would appear to be some sort of cheesy waffle fry dish. If, uh, I didn't see it. So. Which, yeah, tempting, but I had just eaten Canada that I made, so I passed on those. Um, uh, the crowd. The crowd was... Uh, Brooklyn hipster, I would say, what, some older dudes in there. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly like uh, our like college, recently out of college professionals kind of there. You know, it's Gowanus uh, Park Slope area. You know what you get with that. Um, the handful of people that we talked to that came all the way up from the Bronx, though. So, uh, you know, there's a bit of a draw for, if not the venue, then at least the artist. 
Right. I think they were probably there to see uh, the headliner, Black Joe Lewis. And, you know, he's fairly well known oh, if yes. you're if you're into to blues music. And I think that's kind of like uh, where maybe the, those uh, older crowd members in the cargo shorts uh, came for. <laughs> anyway, um, a nice crowd. I had a very nice interaction. Did you lose something? Come on, come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had a very nice interaction in the ladies' room with the woman. Um, the content of that conversation isn't important. It wouldn't make sense now. Anyway, I will say it had to do with our cats. But the point is, is that this is a lovely brief connection with a woman in sparkly silver pants. I looked like a bum, and she talked to me. I really appreciated that, and that was sort of... Um, a my overview of the crowd and a glimpse. Yeah, friendly enough too. We will say we actually kind of made friends and hung out with a bunch of strangers that we had just met there afterwards. So that's always nice, you know, a very friendly crowd where you could talk to people and get to know them. We did, and they have no idea that we do this. I don't yeah. know. Did I didn't tell them? Did you? I didn't. Yeah, we, they had no idea. They were... Yeah, shout out to the strangers who we made friends with on Friday night. Yeah, there there was one chick who was like uh, I'm a food blogger and this and that. I'm like, should I tell her? I'm like, nah, too soon. Um, so we won't really talk about them though. So it doesn't matter. Um, okay. So right now, uh, I think that pretty much sums up the venue. It's just like, it's like a big industrial, uh, space with the, the chandelier at the top and you know, the back room and I don't really know what else to say about it. We'll get into the production value when we talk about the show itself, but. Yeah, it's nothing too special, but it's a nice enough venue. If you see somebody that you like there, it's not like you're going to show up there and uh, think the venue's rough or gross or anything like that. Decent area, decent venue. Nothing too special about it, though, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, check-in is is pretty smooth. You know, they know what they're doing. They've been around for a while. They're established. Um, There's no... uh, confusion on that front layout is fine i mean honestly like this is just like a pretty straightforward venue that sometimes has some pretty good bands coming in and speaking of good bands coming in let's start talking about some of those bands that we saw and right now hopefully i am playing a clip of yellow belly i cannot tell you the name of the song because i could not find very much in terms of like uh discog or whatever uh, or much on Spotify to really match up what I heard. Uh, but I can tell you that I really enjoyed this song, and we'll get into why that is. Anyway, uh, going over the history of Yellow Belly. Yeah, Yellow Belly spelled Y-E-L-L-A, Belly, just like that. Uh, we know that they're a New York-based band. Uh, that's kind of the most that we were able to find out about them, though. There's not a whole lot of information online about them. They're very new. They only have two songs out, really, like on Spotify, and both like 2019 songs. So it's a very, very new band. From uh, the research that I was able to find, it's basically the remnants of two older bands that came together to do something new. Um, but to be honest, there's not a whole lot of information out on them yet, but they are a New York band. So if you're out here in the city and if everything we say after this appeals to you, uh, take a look and see if maybe you're interested in them and uh, maybe you want to check them out sometime. I'm just going to add in here that I don't think they're actually originally from New York City. Hard to tell because uh, I couldn't even find other information. And so the reason we're saying that is to get into the band a little bit. They're very much uh, a bluesy, southern rock, almost country rock band. And we say almost country. They actually pulled out a lap steel at one point, which, by the way, I love. Even though I'm not a country fan, I do love a lap steel, and it sounds great. But they very much sounded almost 
alt country, you could say. I still think that they had enough of like a rock and blues and southern rock kind of bent to say that they're a blues rock band. But uh, I remember turning to you actually about halfway through the set after I looked them up a little bit and it said they were a New York City band and going, wow, I am shocked you've learned that these guys are from New York City because they don't sound it. Transplants. <coughs> it gotta be. You don't, you don't, you don't mm, have that flavor born and raised in New York. Sorry, New York, but... No, it's it's very much like it sounded like a Southern rock band. And even the little information we were able to find, the descriptor on like Spotify and like their website basically says it's like a, a you know a Texas sound with a New York attitude. So it wouldn't surprise me to find out at least one or two of them, like maybe the, the lead guy is from Texas, something like that. And it would add up because the other two acts, including the main act, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, are a Texas band specifically from Austin. That that I could see. Uh, so I personally, and I'm assuming you could not either, find actually the names of any of these players. So this no. is who we're going to say they are. Uh, uh, Jack White, uh, Jack Black, I believe, was on, <laughs> was Jack, on Jack the... Jack Black, I believe, was on the uh, lead guitar. Uh, Jay from uh, Jay and Silent Bob on the bass, uh, Kyle from IT on the keyboards, and McLovin on the drums. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of mean, but we'll roll with I, it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, listen, we don't, we, listen, if we had your names, we'd use them. Uh, so, okay, what did, what did I, the, you know what, why don't you talk about your impressions first? So, honestly, I actually like them a lot, because I'm into that kind of bluesy sort of rock kind of thing. I don't like country, but I like country tinged rock that does appeal to me and that's what you tend to get in a southern rock kind of band you know uh modern stuff is kind of like the weeks something like that uh you don't hear it too much these days but it's making a bit of a comeback especially if the you know the next opener is a is a good sign of that i liked them i liked them though like they had a good uh sound to them they brought up a couple different interesting instruments specifically the lap steel which is not a very commonly used instrument it's something that i really like to see i don't have the uh, the slightest clue how to play it i've been playing guitar for a long time i know it's kind of along the lines of it but i don't have the slightest clue how to play a lap steel for those who don't know a lap steel is a, a type i guess it's kind of counts of a, as a guitar it's it's uh very straight flat you place it on your lap and you use a slide like the glass slide like you'll often hear in blues rock and everything and you finger pick it as you with uh, your dominant hand, usually the right hand, as you slide along with the left hand, and it makes a very distinct sound. It's pretty. It's a lot more common in country and bluegrass music. Every now and then, when somebody pulls it out for like a bluesy rock song, though, it always it always does it for me personally. Let me sum it up for you. When you hear that's a, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my impressions were. <clears throat> All right. Listen, I have to be honest. There was, there was a lot, there was a lot going on musically, and I, I liked that. I was, I was impressed by the musicianship. I was distracted by the several different voices I was hearing coming out of the lead singer. And when I say that, I understand that the voice is an instrument and your voice can change but it was almost as if I was getting sometimes like totally different voices and different songs, none of which really seemed to match the body. How do I put this? Okay, so the thing that he did with his voice a lot, I would say the most, the default voice, was this like whiny, clashy, like 
now now you you know what I mean yeah. like that kind of thing but then it was like and now I'm doing my Buffalo Bill voice yeah. which is like you know I was like what is going on um I, I, I honestly felt like, because I was hearing a different voice, honestly, sometimes for different songs, I was like, is this a a concert or is this like a one man theatrical show? So that doesn't bother me too, too much, to be honest. Uh, There's plenty of bands that I really like that switch up the voices a lot. Black Keys comes to mind because the Black Keys, if you really listen to some of their their different stuff, they really change the voice quite a bit. For different songs, they'll do like a different, like, like a character almost. Could be. And what you got to understand is, like we said, uh, at least release, they only have two, uh, two songs, not even out, two songs out right now. So maybe they're still trying to find their voice or something like that. That's not something that bothered me, to be perfectly honest. I kind of liked it. But I, I say pick one or two you know uh, you know listen i'll disagree with that we'll have our first controversy here and disagree um i like bands that change things up a little bit like that especially if you got like a bluesy rock sound because there's a lot there's a good range that you could have with that bluesy southern rock a little bit of everything uh that can go along with that i personally like the the change and everything now i will say a lot of times i didn't understand a fucking word he was saying mm-hmm. and the two things that i'm going to say to that is a the sound system wasn't great at this venue, oh, the the vocal mixing was pretty rough. It, you know, even like Black Joe Lewis, who I've seen before at where was that Bowery Ballroom? It was one of those like Bowery spaces yeah. that they own. You know, yeah. oh, they and have it, all those venues. And and it, he sounded fine there, but at this one, the voice mixing did not come out well for any of the bands. So I'm gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt, and I'll also say, you know, maybe their band is like Nirvana, where you're not supposed to fully understand what the guy says. I don't know. So we'll we'll have to see in the future what comes out of that. I think you know also too. Maybe I was so distracted by it because. Quite honestly, and I I hate to say this, but, you know, I think the music for me, I have it here. Because sometimes I equate music with food because they're my favorite things. And um, I was thinking if I were to equate this to a taste. Now, mind you, this is in the earlier part of the concert. So just understand, these are like early impressions. I would equate it to a taste that I would say was like baked beans. So like satisfying and solid, but kind of bland. Um, I just, there was just nothing grabbing my attention uh, in this set, except for the unusual voices. which Life I felt steel. felt unsure about. Now, so okay, so then then what happened was the lap slide happened, and that changed everything for me. Honestly, mm. I was saying to James that you know I'm also a very uh, aesthetic person, and and I was like, this really puts like a sepia filter on everything for me. It feels old timey. Uh, it changed everything. Me, I am from upstate, and uh, where I'm from, we pretty much idolize the fucking South. So this kind of music feels very at home for me. This like the country sound. And looking around me, I was like, "You oh!" And I have noticed this before when I've been to shows in New York where the music starts to get country. There's sort of like a discomfort that settles over the room because we have this sort of like bias in New York where we're not supposed to like that kind of thing like we're not supposed to like that redneck stuff you know what i mean because it's like against our you know our values and all of that and you know like our new york city identity but the truth is is like if it's good it's good you know so if and so this is this is the thing that i have to say about that i want i would if i were the manager of this band i would say i think you guys do this best and i would focus on it and honestly i was like i think well there's 
two potential reasons why they save that for the last. Number one, it's the best thing that they do. Right. And they were saving the best for last. This is their their strongest thing. Couldn't understand a damn thing he was saying. The accent was so thick. He had a southern accent on this one. And I loved it. I thought he did that. I, yeah. I enjoyed that very well. I felt like it, that, that voice fit what I was seeing in front of me. The other reason why maybe the country was in music was at the end because they were aware of that like weird discomfort that people get over that kind of music. So they're like, let's just sneak this in at the yeah. end. Hopefully people are drunk enough to appreciate this. Or maybe it's both. Um, but I think the combination of them being clearly not mainstream, these guys are just far too unkempt to be like the Florida Georgia line. They're not clean cut. They're, you know, they're gritty. Um, Thank God we don't need more Florida Georgia yeah, line in this world. They're not like that kind of country. Like they're not sappy. Like, you know, they have an edge to them. And I think with that and the fact that country is getting a little bit more acceptable in, in New York City as it becomes more diverse. Songs like Old Town Road certainly help. I think that this could work for them. I think the genre could eventually end up, we could reach across the aisle and make that genre work in New York City. Lose the punk, keep the blues to suck people in, and once you got them, hit them with that redneck shit. Now, listen, I think you'd be surprised. A lot of bands are kind of uh, bringing in a lot more country influence. Uh, the Fratellis come to mind, believe it or not, for you know people that know the Fratellis are early stuff not so much but their last couple albums i've heard a lot of people say they're practically all country at this point and there's there's a bit of that peeking through on not the mainstream but we'll say mainstream indie as oxymoronic as that term is established band yeah yeah you know they can get away with more well hey you get away with get away or not you know make the kind of music that you want to make and we could say uh as far as we're concerned i and again i'm not a country fan at all in fact my my ears bleed when coworkers constantly blast it all the time, and I'm at some kind of some work party. Uh, that's that's a story for another but time. More thematically for you, right? And that the music is over processed. But this kind of country that isn't so basic thematically in the lyrics, if we could understand, yeah. Them. Um, and uh, the fact that it's a little grittier, can you get with this kind of country? This kind of thing, because like a, to me, this isn't really country. It's just very country influenced blues and southern rock, and southern rock is really country bluesy music if you really get down to it harder bluesy country music let's put it like that is, is southern rock and again uh, that comes to the surprise to learn that this is a new york city based band because they really don't sound it but to me i i actually really like them i'm more than willing to check them out again I mean, listen, yeah, the thing is, is they, the real is, is they would do a lot better. Well, maybe not. I was going to say Nashville, but there might be too much competition. Yeah. And maybe they're trying to pioneer here. Uh, and good for them. And pro tip, you know, I don't know necessarily if uh, they're doing this anymore, but the last I checked, uh, Yellow Belly, if anyone is listening or has listened to them and knows them, Hometown Barbecue and Red Hook will fucking feature a whole night of country you don't need to sneak that music in they don't give a fuck you guys should play there that'd be a great venue uh fucking yeehaw i i did i did enjoy i i, I know i sounded a bit critical before with the voices and 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 the music earlier and yeah you know those parts weren't my favorite but that country section when that guy brought that fucking lap steel killed it I enjoyed that very much yeah it's a really cool instrument that doesn't really get break it, broken out enough i think a lot of 
bands that have a, a real bluesy uh, feel to them could break it out and maybe uh, see if any of them are good enough to actually play it. Maybe see how it works with their music. But if this appeals to you at all, I'll throw out the only announced show that they have now is on October 18th at uh, Mercury Lounge. It looks like they're headlining with a band called High Wasted opening for them. I don't know them at all, but uh, that's you know if the, that appeals to you and you want to check them out, look at uh, Friday. October 18th at Mercury Lounge. Where did you find that? We'll put that link in. Yeah, we'll throw down a, a free ad here. Songkick is Songkick and Bands in Town are sort of the two apps that I use the most. So if anybody's like really curious as to how me personally, I'm the I'm I find a lot of acts mostly because I follow them. You put it on Spotify and you connect uh, your Spotify to these two apps, either Bands in Town or Songkick. And when a band that you like announces a show in your area, you actually get an alert and an email if you set it up that way for it. So that's a really, really good way to see whether or not a band that you like is going to come through your area. Cool. So we'll put a, a link, uh, you know, for whatever we can find on, on shows from the future as well as our Spotify. All right, so moving on to the second uh, opening act. Um, or the second opener, whatever. First opener? I don't know how you put it. But anyway, they went on after these guys and before the op- uh, the headliner. Annabelle Chairlegs. Uh, don't ask us the history of that name or for that band because we could not find anything on that. But we know that they're an Austin band. Um, uh, this is where I started to feel like it was the Night of a Thousand Voices because we had the lead singer of Yellow Belly kind of doing all that. And then we had Annabelle Chairlegs fronted by Lindsay Mackin, who also does, you guessed it, many voices. Yeah. Uh, okay, so when we first started to uh, listen to her, to me, she felt like this very, like, gray slick as, like, a modern day. And I, I believe I opened this one up with... No, I didn't. I'm going to get there. Um, that's not the song that I used for the opening clip. Uh, but she seemed very gray slick to me as, like, a modern day indie rock girl. Um, but James said... What did you say about her voice? Yeah, I had a different... A bit of a different uh, feel with that, especially when she got into the lower register, which she reminded me of was a lower register Janis Joplin. You know, when she sings... When you listen to some old Janis records, when she gets into her lower register and really gets that kind of gritty, uh, almost raspy voice that she has, which, by the way, I fucking inject that into my veins any day. Uh, I feel like she really, really had that kind of voice when she pulled that out for a couple of her songs. But uh, their songs kind of had a a decent range to them of uh, the voice that she used, really. Well, okay, so we're not crazy because I did find an article that literally said... That and this is like Enemy Magazine, and it literally said uh, uh, singer Lindsay Mack and channels Janis Joplin and Jefferson Airplanes. People don't know who Grace Slick is, yeah. and Jefferson Airplanes, Grace Slick. Yeah, and this is just like okay, here's the Grace Slick right here. Yeah. Yeah, if that doesn't sound like a Jefferson Airplane song to you, you need to listen to more Jefferson Airplane. Oh, but wait, there's more. It wasn't just these two voices. We also had the girly Bjork voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? Okay, but there's even more. Uh, we also have... The Catherine, uh, Kathleen Hanna voice, so if you don't know who she is, that's the lead singer of a band uh, called Bikini Kill from the 90s. 
And that one I liked, you know, that was honestly my favorite song of theirs, which I'll get into later. But I like that sort of like bored, I'm over it yeah. uh, tone. That was my favorite. I know that sounds very nitpicky, but um, the real, it, the thing is, is like, I just, I find it distracting when I hear a lot of different voices because I'm not sure who you are. Janis Joplin had a very distinct voice. She had one voice, Grace, Bjork, Kathleen. These voices are all very different from each other. So to hear all of them in one show, again, unless you're doing a one-woman theatrical show where you're playing characters, it, it doesn't it seems just it doesn't work for me. See, I gotta disagree to that because I actually like hearing that. It really shows a, a range in uh, different styles of vocals that she's able to do to me. And listen, this is a totally subjective opinion. Maybe there are a couple people out there that are like me that would go there and be impressed by the fact that she's pulling out several different kind of vocal types. Then maybe there's other like you that aren't necessarily feeling that. It feels like a little too much. I want to know your identity. If I was the the person that was going to throw a lot of money at this band, and I would throw a lot of money at this band Absolutely. if I had that kind of money yeah. to develop it, but I would say pick an identity and stick with it. Because it's like, how far do we want to go? Like, do we want to do like a... Uh, torch singer voice and then maybe we'll do a country voice and then are we going to do Alma Fudd like I mean how far do you I think at a certain point listen all of my favorites like if you like take like Florence Welch you know what I'm saying like distinct voice that's her voice all you have to do around me to make me happy is say Florence Welch's name no criticisms of her uh-huh. there see but and not not a lick Florence Welch is an angel on this earth might drive you crazy if she did five different voices, though. Um, Florence Welch could do ten different vo- voices and scream them in my ear for twenty-four hours, and I'd thank her for it. Well, in any event, this is <laughs> this is this is where I, maybe I shouldn't have picked that example because we could get we could get sidetracked with that one. But to me, it's like I I need I want to know who you are. Your range in terms of different types of voices you can do, that's something that's interesting to me if you're an actor. But if you're a singer, it's like, you know, I know a lot of these identities that are built around a a person are, you know, personas, characterizations, they're fake. I don't care. I just want to know what it is. Um, Her voice did sound a bit thin at times. That could be the sound system there. Yeah, I'm going to say it's the production value with that. Again, uh, we don't want to talk shit. I actually really like the Bell House. I've been there for a couple other things. But at least tonight, this is the first actual concert I've been there for. At least tonight, the the vocal mixing was not good. Somebody was not paying attention. And there were other bigger problems which during Black Joe Lewis's uh, set, which we'll get to. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the voice was a bit thin on her. Cause I feel like I heard it a bit thin on Spotify, too. Maybe it's stylistic. Maybe it's a limitation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But let me talk about what I like. Let's like, get positives. I like Lindsay. She's the front woman, so of Hell course yeah. she stands out. Yeah, let me throw it out real quick. Both of us like this whole band. Annabelle Chairlegs, yeah. do you. like? I uh, yeah. really like your stuff, and I'd love to hear more engaging I like watching her she has great style she had this polka dot jumpsuit on and what I really thought was great about her was like aside you know we often say like this person or whatever is attractive or whatever but attractiveness comes in all different shapes sizes forms or whatever and what I thought was engaging about her I was like well why do I think this person is attractive what I thought was what really attracted to me about her as a lead singer was how it was like watching her one minute from one angle she looked like a 15 year old girl and the next minute she come off as like a 50 year old woman like she Mm -hmm. had a a youthful sort of innocence about her but then there was like this roughness like she's seen things do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just you know 
something that I took or whatever. Like, this was a real thing. I mean, listen, I just played the different voice clips from you. She does a girly voice, Mm. then she does a rougher voice. Like, she just, she has great range in terms of what she portrays. And I really do like that sort of play with her youth and also age. I cannot tell how old this woman is. She could be 25. She could be pushing forward and you can't for the record i think she's 25 but we can't really find anything on her right uh but beyond her i mean there's a whole band here uh i really liked the music itself uh there's a lot of like uh 50s but then also like 60s garage rock influences Mm -hmm. 50s meaning like but an updated way like if anyone's familiar with the ravenettes especially the guitar stylings that they use is it's very similar there's even some disco at some point genre hopping doesn't bother me like voice hopping does i i had fun with her kind of being all over the place in in terms of uh, the genres, because it was all ultimately retro, so it fit together Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely like another, like the whole key to this is very Southern sounding. The, you know, Black Joe Lewis is from Austin, Annabelle Charlie is from Austin, Yellow Belly, who the fuck knows, but they all have like a Southern rock kind of thing. And to her, to me, she sounded like Southern rock, which is already influenced by like late 60s, early 70s, like rock pop, like your Jefferson Airplanes kind of their deal. But it's almost like that kind of like the late 60s, early 70s rock with a Southern rock twinge to it. It might be the best way to put it. Which is why I had said to James, I was like, oh, no wonder Black Joe Lewis picked her uh, to be her opener. But then I was like... Maybe he didn't. Like, I've always assumed artists pick their openers, but now I was wondering if it's just a business deal between the promoters and labels, and James didn't know either. So, you know what? If anyone's listening knows the answer to that question, podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know, because we still don't really know what, what the, how, the, how that happens, how openers get picked for headliners. Yeah, I'm sure it's a mixture of things. Like, sometimes you could say, I want this band to tour with me, and you make a deal with this band that says you, you need, you're going to tour with me and open with me and that kind of thing. Or maybe sometimes it's just a label thing. I, I don't really know for sure, to be honest. I, I have a feeling that, you know, an established enough act is going to be able to pick who their opener is. Uh, so there was one song that really stood out to me. Um, it is the one that I just played, I believe, to illustrate the Kathleen Hannah voice. And I'm going to be playing the Under Us right now. I wish I knew this name of the song. I had a hard time trying to match it up into what I found on Spotify. And unfortunately, don't see anything on Setlist FM. But uh, the reasons I love this song, the bass player, I believe his name is Derek Vaughn. He totally slaps on the song. It has this beautiful 60s garage rock groove and it has this lyric and I turned to my friend uh, that was there when they when she said it 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 was um, as you get better you get worse and I thought this was such a satisfying lyric that really jived mm. with me because I think that we tend to as a society sugarcoat things and we don't look at the yin and yang even though of course we know the positive cannot exist without the negative and vice versa as you get better with respect to something you're going to get worse at something else because you can't do it all and we have to make sacrifices. As I've gotten better at piecing together this podcast, I've become worse at keeping up with my TV shows. So I'm out of the loop. But it's okay for me to mourn that. You know what I'm saying? It's okay to say that something uh, may get worse from something else getting better. I don't know. You know, just a thought. I like that song. Yeah, I liked a lot of the stuff that they did. Uh, and again, we're having a hard time like finding the names of the songs and trying to link them up. They, they have one released album, a 2015 album, Watermelon Summer, and they recently released a single uh, earlier this year. So, you know, that, that suggests at least that they might be working on another one. So it's hard to tell whether or not how much of what we heard is the new stuff that they're working on or some of the recorded stuff. 
uh, that they've already done it. And again, this was two days ago when we saw another show last night. So it's not like we were uh, able to like sit around and listen to and really dig deep into their uh catalog here their one album catalog she had they did have this one song where she said this is about a wrestler a female wrestler oh, in yeah. tennessee was it tennessee um i just remember that one really stood out and to me kentucky kentucky thank you and actually there's a clip of that on the uh at high decibels podcast uh instagram page so if you're interested you look through that and try and get a clip of that song but i also like outside of the fact that she she kind of gave that little uh little part to it uh, to open it up to explain it a little bit uh it just ended up being a really good damn song it was very john darnell i just yeah 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 they kind of had that who wrote a whole album about wrestlers but you know he's been around for a long time yeah 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 (laughs) yeah so i like just good uh good rocks bluesy rock late like i said late 60s early 70s kind of kind of pop rock that was pop rock back then but these days is now just very very retro and with a really good quality bluesy southern rock kind of twinge to it with them i wish i had worn a more vintage type outfit uh our friend we're gonna just call her jude was there and had totally dressed that way not knowing anything about this music and i was like yeah because she looks so good so shout out to you jude for uh that cute outfit and i i just couldn't measure up yeah that night and there i was standing in a new york rangers shirt shout out new york rangers capocaco praise be i feel like this keeps sinking just keep pushing it up. Yeah, well, we're working through some production issues here, folks. So uh, we got, for the record, we got a second mic. Can't figure out how to make two mics work, so we're going to stick with one mic until we do that. You know how two mics work, or you would like to be the person that makes two mics work. Uh, Highdecibelspodcast.gmail.com. Yeah, we'll give you a crisp high five for that one. We don't have a budget yet, but, you know, uh, we're going places. Yeah. Anyway, where we're going right now is... Uh, we are opening, we, we got the song playing right now, uh, Booty City by Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. And, uh, okay, so talking about Black Joe Lewis. Um, Black Joe Lewis is not a snack, he's a meal. Mm-hmm. Black Joe Lewis's guitar playing is like honey going drip, drip, drip all mm. the way down my... Uh, Black Joe Lewis is from Austin and is a blue sunk full and at times wait let's pause right there marlia just said blues sunk full (laughs) i did blues soul funk now marlia uh what was the name that you gave me earlier for another specific artist carly j repson i do i i have carly j repson folks this was like six hours ago listen if you saw what i saw black joe lewis do and we'll talk about that in a bit you would be getting your words mixed up too i'm still in awe Um, But let me just get straight to the facts, ma'am, for the moment uh, before I go off on this guy. Um, The backing band consisting of Bill Stevenson, Jason Fry, Derek Phelps, Joseph Willard, Eduardo Torres. Supposedly, we don't know that that's who we saw. I really don't think, based on my research, that the bassist that we saw on stage, because I was particularly interested in tracking him down, is any of these people. So I'm not exactly sure if this band's lineup changes up and or what. Yeah, uh, Black Joe Lewis uh, really is a solo artist, and he's actually, at least a couple years ago, from my understanding, he tried to drop the and the Honey Bears part of it because the backing band behind him, it's sort of one of those things where it's a rotating cast. Um, I don't know how long the, this particular crew has been around, but he's, it's really like a solo project with a rotating cast uh, band behind him. Right, so what we saw was uh, Black Joe Lewis and 
bassist, uh, lead guitar, drums, oh. and uh, two sax players, one of whom also played the flute. Am I missing anyone? Nope, that was it. Rhythm guitar, I, I meant. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't lead. Black Joe Lewis rhythm, played lead. Rhythm, and, rhythm, you know, the, well, the, the other guitarist had a good couple of licks there. He'd pull out, like, a slide and do some stuff like that. He definitely... Uh, you know, spread the love around a little bit and gave everybody a chance to sign shine. And I will say, and we keep talking about this basis. We love to get his name because there were a couple moments there where I was just transfixed on him. He was really killing it at times. Uh, so uh, first, before we like get into it, that this is a bell house note. Like, who the fuck was on sound that night? Listen, I'm not a musician, and even I could tell that the saxes were not properly no. mic'd, and they knew it. They're looking at each other. They're talking. They can't be heard. They're, like, looking at a sound guy, like, with doing the thumbs-up thing, the international thumbs sign, up, turn, turn up, yeah. turn up the volume. Like, I was like, what is going on? I didn't feel like uh, Joe's voice was mic'd. We said that earlier. Yeah, sound mixing throughout the entire night was not good, especially the vocal mixing. And that, that tends to be a problem. Like if, if there's going to be a problem with sound mixing just about every, anywhere you go, it's the vocals are not quite enough to stand out and they get covered down by anything. And that was definitely a major problem. What, was this? A, OK, so to be fair, was this a bellhouse thing or does Black Joe Lewis bring in his own sound people? No, I don't think so, because last time I saw him, he sounded a lot clearer. Wow. Okay, so this is a venue issue. Yeah. Uh, not good. I don't know. It's like if, if some stupid lay person like me can pick out something like that and see the agitation on the sax player's uh, faces, you know, having been in uh, a concert band at one time myself, I'm very sympathetic to the needs of, like, the woodwinds and the brass. They sort of get overlooked in your typical rock band. And these guys were great and I'm sure added a lot to it, but I could barely Tons. fucking hear them for a while. Yeah. It did improve later, which... I'll get well, into, but he, but he initially, actually, no. He actually paused briefly about three songs in and is like, hey, we got to do like a quick sound. We didn't get to do a sound check, so let's do this real quick. And they did like a very quick one kind of re-up things. But uh, like, I, I don't really think that was on the band. I, I don't know where the, where the problem was with that, but that's not really something that I've seen before, to be honest. Right. So, so what, what, what you, what we saw is what I just told you, but honestly, like if you listen to Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, like on Spotify or whatever, you'll hear some pretty rich instrumentation, Hell which yeah. I wish to God that there was the budget for him to bring in the horns and to bring in, I'm sure there was a time, but I heard some harmonica pumped in. I was like, you could use a fiddle on this music, yep. like a whole fucking, it would be a lot, you know, for a venue like the Bell House. I'm not sure where they might put them all. But uh, to hear him, like, you know, maybe in, like, a venue like Forest Hills and have the full band there, what a fucking treat that would be. Like, It'd be rad. You know, they, but, you know, they, they do what they could do. Um, yeah, we said before, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, funk, soul, blues. And then, mm -hmm. you know, you can even look on Wikipedia and that's what they say. And that's really it. Like, it's a mixture of it all. Some, some songs are bluesier, some songs are funkier, some songs are soul -er, if that's yeah. even a word. Uh, but all it's sort of like a hodgepodge of the three, which, you know, it isn't totally unheard of. They're all bands that or they're all genres that come from the same influence. So plenty of bands will mix them together like that. But he really brings all three together for a really fun, great sound, uh, creative music, uh, very, very, like you said, very rich instrumentation. They yeah. use that a lot. He brings in a lot of different influences, like sometimes for like some of the bluesy songs, it sounds like some almost think like um, 
what was that song we were talking about? Get Your Shit was the name of the song. And it's almost like a story. It's like spoken word for a couple parts. And that's very like a kind of a, you know, I've used the word trope before. It might not be the best word for it, but it's kind of a trope of like classic blues songs where they it's spoken word for a little bit. It's like they're telling a story and then they go into a chorus, something like that. Oh, that song is great. Yeah. Um, this It's basically a story of him being a, a shitty boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. Um, just told totally deadpan. It's hysterical. It really is like I, I'm not usually one that goes crazy over like joke songs, but if you really pull it off, you can you can get me because that's a funny song and it's pulled to- it's played totally straight the entire time. I love when he's like get that one party. She's like you don't even know my name. He's like yeah, your name is Melissa. Melissa. She's like is that Melissa? It's Roxanne. And she like tells him to spell it. And, and he, he goes can't even spell do it that. out for me. And then the song ends where the cops come looking for him. He goes oh yeah, Black Joe's in the back. And then he goes to his girl get your shit. We gotta get out of here. Funny stuff and just totally deadpan straight phase for it's really really a fun song and instrumentally fantastic like just really gets you pumped and going that is a that is a really fun one uh oh going back to that whole like night of a thousand voices theme he with respect to voices uh black jewelers does do like this uh james brown voice Mm -hmm. sometimes particularly his song sugarfoot but that was really about it that's the only that's really mostly it's just he's got the voice and this is who he is and with the a couple of exceptions of some james some james brown which almost sounds like an, an an He's imitating him. Night of uh, a Thousand Voices ended there, so yeah. I was pretty happy about that. Uh, you know, his his backing band was fantastic. I love I loved what I could hear of the saxes. The Bauhaus did turn up the levels yeah. at a certain point, which was like thank God. Uh, we absolutely loved his bassist. We don't know. We aren't sure on what that person's name was. Uh, but that guy was incredible, like especially on Sugarfoot. Oh my god! Yeah, I caught a clip of him really kind of ripping at it, and, and I uh, zoomed in a little bit to look at his hands. And the, you know, there was a couple times there where I'm like, "Damn, this guy is really killing it." He's, he's straight up shredding it. And I gotta say, Black Joe Lewis too, excellent on the guitar. Really pulls off some oh, great he's so music. Good on the guitar. Yeah, some really really good solos. You know, I'm I'm a big solo guy. I'm a big rock guy. Uh, solos kind of have fallen off the wayside a little bit for a lot of rock. But, uh, you know, the bluesy stuff and the, and the good kind of grungy, dirty rock that really gets into my soul. They'll still pull out some great solos. And he really had a good time with it and pulled out some really, really good quality stuff there on that. You're going to talk about dirty soloing. Then I think it's time that I bring up one of the highlights of his performance Oof. was where at one point there was like this sort of Stevie Wonderish on Sesame Street sound groove going on. I'm really getting into it. And it's kind of taking me back to my childhood and I feel like a kid again until he started to play the guitar with his teeth and I grew up real fast in the mind and uh, yeah then I was back to being a grown ass woman and okay you know what I've never seen anyone do that nope that's like a classic Jimi Hendrix move right there. I never saw Jimi Hendrix live. I well, was born after he died. Okay, yeah, me too. But, you know, that's sort of like one of the things he was famous for. For those who don't know, yeah, Jimi Hendrix is very famous for playing with his teeth and behind his head. Have and you ever seen anyone do that in person? Yeah. Who? Plenty of times. Who? I've seen it before. Well, including Black Joe Lewis. Oh, but other yeah. than Okay, I didn't see him Gary do Clark it. Gary Clark Jr., I've seen him do it. He plays with his teeth? The, the one time I got to see that, by the way, shout out Gary Clark Jr., single, junior single best musician I've ever seen live. You're a god amongst men. But yeah, I saw him play with his teeth. It was great. Okay, well, that was the first time I've ever seen anyone play the guitar with their teeth. And in that moment, he was like the sun. I could not look too long. <laughs> or I would be too dazzled and go blind. So I had to look at the rest of the band, who, who again, were really fucking tight. Um, overall, uh, 
I just, I mean, listen, I was just like into it. There was music that soothed my soul. There, I wish I could tell you specifically which songs to which things uh, without a set list in front of me because I didn't see a set list for the show. It's hard for me to remember exactly what moments happened when, but I just feel like with this band, I had sort of like a rich emotional experience. Music does hit me in an mm-hmm. emotional way. Sometimes it felt, te- it was like textural. Like mm-hmm. it, sometimes it felt smooth and sometimes it felt rough. And I mean, I don't mean this in any way. It's just like, I don't know how to say it. Like, that's that's what it was. Um, and I just also wanted to say, James, at, at the end here, uh, one of our, our friends and a new friend we met, uh, they aimed to go to the, uh, they, they were looking to go backstage and uh, they saw an unguarded door. And as it turned out, they could not get in through that door mm-hmm. because that door was locked. But they asked me to go. And I said no, because you were the person that introduced me to Joe Lewis, uh, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, and I would not have enjoyed meeting him if you weren't there and you weren't getting in because you were a guy. Yeah, unfortunately, I got the old penis between my legs, and that's less susceptible to getting you backstage anytime. So I did did not go because it just wouldn't have been the same without you, just so you know. Well, I appreciate that. But, yeah, no, I've listened to Black Joe Lewis for quite some time. I think he came up in just me following along and, like, playlists and, you know, X-Band Radio on Spotify, maybe along Gary Clark Jr. I think I discovered him through that. Uh, but just a super quality, talented artist there. And, you know, like I said, it's got the, the funk, blues, funk, blues, soul kind of thing. So if you're into any of those, I guarantee you you'll have a great time at Black Joe Lewis. Uh, and sometimes, like, he comes out and some of the songs he plays are almost like they're almost ironic and done for a joke. But they're done so damn well that you just you appreciate it and you have a really great time looking towards it. And like you said, sometimes it was, like, kind of mellow and, like, lower key. And sometimes you're just dancing along to it like only, like, a soul song could really get you to do. So at the end of the day, I would say check these guys out. Hell yeah. Get a bourbon. I would say that's the appropriate. If you are to pair some sort of beverage with Bourbon a band. I like doing that too because mm. I also I also like drinking. I like to pair uh, alcohol with music, but not too much because you don't want to lose sight of this excellent storytelling that you'll see here, and uh, checking out you know what these musicians these back the, the honey bears. I wonder how they feel about being referred to as honey bears, as uh, long as they're getting paid, right? Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, and checking out what they do and just kind of following the set and, 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 and going on that journey that uh, Black Joe Lewis is going to take you on. Um, so, you know, get a little bit of a buzz, but, but don't go too crazy because this is a band that you really kind of, it's a, I wouldn't say it requires like a, an intense focus like some bands do in terms of the content, but you, you do want to be present uh, to really fully appreciate um, the, the abilities and the, the uh, yeah, the musicianship yeah. and the, the charisma and energy um, that this whole band exudes, uh, you know. I, I, w- I highly recommend. Yeah, if you just like good quality rock, and like I said, with the, if you're into soul, if you're into funk, if you're into blues music, then you got somebody that's got all three of those and can pull them out at any time, just makes great music out of it. And you definitely go there and have a good time, even if it's not necessarily something you're super into. If you get a chance to see them, I wouldn't skip them. So bearing that in mind, we will also put uh, links in our description for... Uh, 
well, we had already said Yellow Bib, of course, Annabelle Chairlegs, uh, whatever we can find there in terms of Spotify and future shows. Uh, we will do the same for Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. Um, anyway, so I think that pretty much wraps it up. And we are going to close out this episode of a clip of one of my favorites, which is... And his uh, most popular song, too. Throw that out there. Which is... Uh, you, you know what? I'm going to let you say it. Bitch! I love you! This has been High Decibels. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.